there, I'm Chris Fleming. Hey everyone, I'm Leslie Erdelak. And welcome to another edition of Health Affairs This Week. Leslie, as I know you are aware, this week we hit a a somber milestone just in the U.S. alone. 500,000 people, half a million people have now lost their lives to COVID-19. I think the AP reported that that's that's more than all the Americans killed in in World War II, the Vietnam War, and the Korean War combined. It's a hard number, at least for me, to sort of get my head and my heart around. And I wonder how you've been you know, reacting, what you're thinking and feeling as you see the news. It's just a heartbreaking figure to try to process. And there are way too many people out there who know what it feels like to lose someone to COVID. And while we're obviously in a much different place than we were a year ago, on top of all the lives lost, I think we're still trying to cope with the same sorts of disruptions and challenges in our everyday lives. And there are still the uncertainties too, as we're finding out about the new variants and even you know what it means to recover from COVID. Yeah, it's not just, of course, the U.S. The whole world has been you know suffering emotionally, you know, health-wise, economically. But maybe now finally there's some good news and maybe some reason for optimism that we can see the end. And of course, notably, there's the vaccines that have been developed and have been uh, rolling out. And I know you've been following this issue and in particular, you listened in on a hearing this week. I wonder if you could maybe give us some of the the key news about the vaccines and, and some of the key takeaways from the hearing. Right. So there was a hearing this week pulled together by congressional lawmakers about expanding the availability of vaccines. And they were holding this hearing because drug makers have come under a lot of scrutiny for not meeting their initial quotas for delivering the vaccine. And you know, everybody wants to know why. And I've been thinking a lot lately about how the conversation turned so quickly from, are you going to get the vaccine? You know, is it safe to kind of like sign me up? When's my turn? Like we're filling football stadiums to vaccinate people. And it's just astounding. And I don't know, does it, does it feel that way to you? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, obviously there's still some, you know, with the refer to as vaccine hesitancy, but I think in general, it's as you say, that that there's been a huge demand for the vaccine, and I think people are realizing what a difference it can make. Yeah, and not to say there's not that sort of skepticism and distrust still out there that we need to break through, because there definitely is, but vaccines were obviously a major turning point, and there's so much to get to. Uh, this week alone, FDA said that Johnson & Johnson's one-dose vaccine is safe and effective, and it looks like it'll be soon authorized for emergency use. The federal government promised to send more vaccines to states and a new version of Moderna's COVID vaccine. It's a booster designed specifically to target the South African variant is headed to clinical trial. So, and Pfizer appears to be following suit. But on Tuesday, we saw executives from five companies, including Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson testify before the House Energy and Commerce Committee. And You know, I'll admit I was expecting it to be a little bit more adversarial given the slow start to the vaccine rollout, as you mentioned. But if anything, I think everybody in the room gave a pretty rosy account of where things stand and seemed to say with 
you know, a reasonable degree of confidence that most of these manufacturing problems had been resolved. And as a result, we're seeing some of those bottlenecks that were the cause of these delays really start to disappear. So the thing you need to know is that vaccine production is ramping up dramatically by tens of millions by the end of March. And it seems, you know, we're on a glide path to meeting those targets for the summer too. There was a question about whether studying these experimental boosters would affect current vaccine delivery commitments. And the short answer is no, that they're looking simultaneously at the potential impact that these variants could have on the vaccine's ability to protect people from COVID. But In order to really succeed on both fronts, we need to start seeing more partnerships. And, you know, this is according to people at the hearing between these companies who have developed the vaccine and sort of these other big pharmaceutical companies where normally you'd expect to see a lot of competition versus collaboration and to really invite them to step up and be part of the manufacturing process to meet the current levels of demand. So, It appears we're moving in the right direction. Every day, someone I know tells me they're getting the vaccine and I'm like, it's happening. And so it's great news, I think, to get people through what I know has been, for some at least, the toughest part of the pandemic. Well, thank you. Yeah. And so, I mean, there are other things that are happening, of course, not COVID related, but in and around D.C. and, you know, this week on the Hill and elsewhere, in addition to the vaccine hearing, Chris. That's right. That's right. As always, there's a a lot going on in health policy. Uh, You know, one of the examples, for instance, that's very important is that the process continues filling out the Biden administration's health policy team. We saw confirmation hearings this week for Javier Becerra to be the uh, HHS secretary. And then on Friday, the Biden administration nominated Chiquita Brooks-Lashure to be CMS administrator, which would mean if confirmed, she would be the the first black woman to run the uh, Medicare and Medicaid programs. And I would actually encourage listeners to read a a piece that she co-wrote in the special ACA at 10 March 2020 health affairs issue, where she and her co-authors laid out their vision for building on the ACA and for continuing the process of health reform. And then there's also been sort of an interesting interplay going on between the Supreme Court docket and the Biden administration's efforts to reverse a lot of the regulations put in place by previous administration, by the Trump administration. A good example of that is the way the Trump administration used Section uh, 1115 waivers to authorize states like Arkansas to require Medicaid beneficiaries to work as a condition of receiving their benefits. These waiver approvals were actually tossed out by lower courts, which said that the HHS secretary in approving the waivers hadn't given sufficient consideration to the main point of Medi- of the Medicaid statute, which is to to provide coverage. The there were appeals; they worked their way up to the Supreme Court, which is scheduled to hear oral arguments next month. However, the in the meantime, the Biden administration has been continuing the process to actually reverse these waivers, and they've asked now the uh, Supreme Court to to cancel the oral arguments and to push the case back down to the lower courts and HHS to continue the process of of revoking the waivers. Sarah Rosenbaum wrote a very interesting piece about this case last week on Health Affairs blog, and she characterized this process as a conversation between the administration and the court 
So it'll be interesting to see how this uh, conversation, as Sarah puts it, plays out. I saw that, and and I agree. I I also don't think these conversations, as we're calling them, are happening in isolation because there's another case that you're watching too, right? Yeah, there's actually a couple that the, the court took a case, for instance, this week that involves a rule challenging the public charge rule that the Trump administration put in place. And that's a rule that makes it more difficult for immigrants to get legal status if they if they take advantage of non-cash benefits like Medicaid and food stamps. The court also took a case which challenges the rule, the, the bar that the uh, Trump administration enacted the bar on health centers getting federal family planning funds if they refer patients for abortions. So in both of these cases, there's a good chance that by the time the cases wind their way through the Supreme Court and get to oral arguments, that the Biden administration will have taken steps to either void or be in the process of voiding the rules. Sarah, as I mentioned earlier, Sarah Rosenbaum, uh, I saw her quoted uh, that in these cases, maybe the court, by taking the case, the cases is starting the conversation with the administration and saying, hey, look, if you're going to act in these areas, get going. And that seems like a good place to leave it, Chris. Thanks a lot. That's it for us. Check out Health Affairs this week, wherever you get your podcasts. Share the episode with a friend and we'll see you next week. <laughs>